0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Photoposie podcast with me, your host Josie Purcell. It's where we share eco-conscious photography in an audio way. And this time, as ever, I'm really, really pleased to be sharing the conversation I've had with this photographic artist with you. We talk about so many different things Um, but I will say one of the expressions that this photographer uses during our chat is hopeful caterpillar and there's something about that expression that I just love and it really does I think um, maybe apply to a sense of how we're working within eco-conscious photography. It's sort of in its early forming stages um, and it's about hope um, and how we use photography in the future and for environmental matters. But I won't go on too much more. I will just say um, the photographer that we that you'll be hearing from today um, has actually been in the Aesthetica Art Prize Future Now book. Um, she's on show at the moment in York with that as well. And she's also been awarded an Arts Council England grant for a new project all taking place up on the Yorkshire Moors. But listening along and find out more for yourself. It's always really lovely to chat to a photographic kindred spirit. And in this episode of Photopascene, I'm joined by Sarah Connell. So welcome, Sarah. I'm really glad to have you here.
1: It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolute pleasure. Um, Briefly, you work with analogue techniques and processes with the aim to reflect and question our human relationship with nature and the natural world in in a nutshell. Absolutely. Um, But we'll definitely sort of talk about more about that as we go on. Um, And I'd really like to start, Sarah, with just getting to know how you actually got into photography in the first place. I'm always quite fascinated um, not only to learn what people are up to now and and why they love photography and particularly around the eco-conscious um, element of, of, of photography but where you actually um, found your way to photography in the first place
1: um, I think for me it was quite by accident really um, quite a while ago and um, when I was at college doing my A-levels and one of my friends Max was um, doing photography at the time I think I was doing film studies Um and We'd planned to meet. He wasn't there. And when I rang him, he was like, oh, I'm just in the dark room. I was like, all right. He was like, oh, come on in. He was like, I'll just be a few minutes. I was like, oh, magic. So um, I went into the dark room and he was just doing some sort of like test prints and things like that. And it was it was just that like magic, you know, yeah. like seeing the pictures, like come out of the developer. And I was like, this is amazing. And um, he was like, oh, yeah, this is just, you know, like what we do. And he was like, oh, like our t- like our teacher called like Alan Towles, he says, you know go and chat to him he was like if you're interested so I just went and had a chat with him and I was like this is amazing and Alan was like oh yeah you know like join the class if you want so I was like oh brilliant I was like I'm doing film studies at the minute but it's kind of ruining you know watching films yeah um, and then we sort of like <laughs> dived straight in with sort of like a Cindy Sherman project and it was just it was just like it just seemed like this totally magical this totally magical thing and a really incredible way to be able to kind of communicate with, um, other people, and um, different mm. ideas and, um, yeah. So that's kind of how I got into it.
0: it. It's, it's absolutely true. I think, um, you know, if, if you've, if you've been, I say fortunate to start out almost with that sort of, darkroom experience it, it never goes i don't think it will ever leave you um and i am really excited because so many people now who perhaps um have grown up with digital first are actually finding the analog side of photography as as well um yeah. which is really exciting to see so yeah and it, it really is that like you say the i think the word magic is is so well suited to to that element of, of photography you know, for me, I don't know about you, but I actually think when when we use the word magic, I, I actually think in a way that it's science that is magic in my head. Um, so when science and art collide, I just think it, it's 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 brilliant. So um, yes, yeah, so a really really lovely to hear that that you you've not obviously lost the passion um, no. for the darkroom work either. So what did you go on to do then did you actually um have you been working in photography or have you are you running a practice a practice alongside other work where, where did that sort of um that love of, of the dark room take you next then
1: um well it took me um to um foundation um at Strockport college I studied there and then i went on to do my ba um in south wales at swansea met and i think that my relationship with photography was always always analog based and even at like even in Swansea when I was there Mm. there was a real we had phenomenal dark rooms and we had the most incredible photography technician called Umberto and he was just um he was phenomenal and Mm. he knew so much about it and he was like super passionate so I think that analog sort of stayed with me and then after I um left my BA Um, I went into um, lecturing and teaching for a bit, Um, Mm. and I've sort of taught um, down south in Brighton, Chichester, Portsmouth, um, and then in 2012, I came back up north. Um, So yeah, I taught sort of like A level. Um, I also taught St. Helens on the degree, Um, and then I realised in about 2015 that actually sort of teaching was taking a lot of my time and Mm. it it was an immense privilege to have taught and to have done it but I found that it was just kind of like taking away from my own practice so um I did my MA um at Manchester School of Art um full-time 2016 to 2017 and that was just life-changing just to have that time again to kind of focus and to really kind of rediscover my practice really um and I was really fortunate because my mum said, oh, you can live with me. So um, then I just needed to have like a little, you know, part time joke job. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of how I've sort of carried on um, sort of since I left my MA really. Um, worked in different sort of hospitality jobs. I did go back to teaching for a little bit, but um, I was on a residency um, in 2019 um, mm. at the Lizard Peninsula with Maze Creative yes. and Lumen Collective. Um, and I think when I came back from that and we were making the work for the exhibition and it was like in Cornwall, it was in London. And then that work kind of, my work from that show sort of took, a, took on life of its own, really. Mm. Um, and it was exhibited all over the UK. And I think that's when I realised that if I carried on kind of teaching, even though I was part-time, I would never have as much time as I needed you know to kind yeah. of make my own practice um so I left teaching um in 2020 to become a sourdough baker um <laughs> and... <laughs> a random change there I wasn't expecting that one <laughs> well I, I used to like work on the market and one of my friends like Aiden, he like was the kind of master baker and and um, we sort of bumped into each other in the like a couple of months before and he was like, oh, my wife is looking for somebody. And I was like, oh, amazing. So because um, I was working for a vegan baker as well as teaching mm. um, and it just kind of sort of came together. And yeah, and that's where I really found that for me as an artist, having a job that is totally separate and being able to sort of totally separate them and to not teach and to not. It's been I think it's been the best thing that's oh, ever
0: happened for my practice really I, I can I totally can can understand that um I think one of the things that yeah like you say having um uh the time to to be able to de- devote to to your to yourself and to your practice is is um is so important um and I am I'm, I'm really I I, re- I do actually remember you saying that you you you've done bake, the baking side of things um somebody's saying to me that actually working in a dark room is a little bit like working in a kitchen um and if you can cook you can you can manage in a in a dark room you'll you'll enjoy being in a dark room the only downside for me personally is I'm an atrocious cook and I could probably <laughs> <laughs> so I'm that always makes me think Or oh, maybe maybe I'm not that great in a dark room but hey ho <laughs> give it a go um oh that's it's really lovely to hear sort of how things um sort of you know meander through life and how it changes but it's brought you to a really good place then to to be able to concentrate on on what you want to do and and on your photography practice um and I know that we're going to talk about something that's really quite exciting. And I, I want to share with everybody about an award that you've recently received. Um, but before we do that, it'd be really nice to chat about some of the work that you that you have already created. Um, and one of them is your um, your your images for the perennial series. Oh, yeah. Um, because um, I've had a look at these and they are just sort of really um, you know sort of that things that you you don't you can't always see in plant botanical material. I, I think might be almost x-ray in a sense, Absolutely. but really beautiful black and white um, imagery. So can you tell me a bit a, bit, a little bit more about that because I, I understand this was made when you couldn't access your usual dark room is that yeah. right
1: yeah so um it was um perennial um evolved naturally actually um during the first kind of covid um lockdown um unable to kind of access the usual dark room that I was working with at the time and um, I started to collect sort of like I'm a keen runner so I was um collecting sort of specimens on my daily runs um and I'd take a backpack um and then, yeah, I sort of started to um, look at them kind of photographically, Um, Mm. and apart from the three days that I spent um, in the bakery, I had the other four days when I didn't really have anything to do, so I think it became, it became quite obsessional, really, at times, Mm. and I think it was, and I look back, and in a way, it really allowed me to kind of re-engage with my practice and sort of there was so much time on a weekly basis dedicated to my photography that I realized just how important it is. Um, And then the Mm. more that I looked at the more I sort of collected like the way that the light kind of reveals the specimens kind of, um, kind of hidden truths and these incredible geometric patterns. I was like, this is kind of phenomenal and up until that point all of my work had been sort of self-staging performance Mm. Um, and when I couldn't go out or I couldn't travel and I couldn't make work it was about kind of working within you know the constraints that um, had been placed on us all really Um, and then um, I headed down to Cornwall in the summer when we became um, unlocked Mm. and I'd originally planned to make work on the on the beach, like performance-based. And then I became kind of, as I sort of turned around and I saw the kind of plants and the flora that were on the coastal path and they were just kind of hanging on by a thread, I was yeah. like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. And I think that really, like sort of COVID, being locked down, m- my relationship with nature and the natural world, mm. like it's never been the same again. And I've always had like this incredible kind of not just appreciation, but I just think we are so lucky to be if we are, you know, sort of surrounded by nature or to be mm. able to go into it. And yeah, so I think just, yeah, it, it was kind of an interesting kind of detour in my practice. Um, and then it's just thinking about um, our relationship with the natural world and um, has just become the kind of golden thread now so since about sort of 2019 2020 mm. that has just um been a track that i've been on um and it's been it's been quite incredible really
0: and and another series then that touches on that this sort of um you know uh, for me i very much to see you know humans are nature we're not separate for, from it however hard we we perhaps sometimes as a species seem to act yeah. as though we are um and you have another uh, another um series called trace which i think is that considerate sort of considerate so excuse me consider throw away um and disposable culture that that um, we have in society um so is that sort of part and parcel of this whole sort of thinking around our relationship again to to how we see ourselves within nature then.
1: Absolutely and I think that sometimes like traces also it's is not just about the kind of throwaway culture I think sometimes it's about the volume of what we are going mm. through in terms of I mean it's not just kind of household waste if you we think about fashion if we think about clothes Mm. if we think like I saw a documentary with Stacey Dooley a couple of weeks ago and it was all about water and it was all about how much water it takes to actually create garments like a pair of jeans and different things like that and she went to this um kind of conference center and all the big brands were there and they were they were allegedly being all you know environmental sustainable and all these different things And the only big brand that she could get to talk to her was Levi's. And this guy was saying that we are trying to develop ways of creating garments that Mm. use so much less water. But what we want to do is we want to make that information open source, which means that we don't just want to hold on to it. We want to say to everybody, here it is. We figured out how you can create this using 10% Mm. of the water or 5% of the water. And I think that that is... We need to start working, I think, as a society, we need to start working together a little bit more. Instead of seeing ourselves as individuals, it's about kind of our collective, yeah. I guess, responsibility, isn't it? You know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you, I guess, when you sort of look at, certainly because we're, we're both based in, in the UK, sort of our society, it feels at the moment, and I'm sure other people in other parts of the world perhaps feel the same, that, you know, there is there seems to be a a sense of division and and then sort of you know how how do you sort of make all these changes for the environment in a collective sense when it feels like there are so many different opinions that won't even necessarily even consider chatting to one another even if they have got a difference of opinion so it's a really it can be a really big ask but I think I certainly think that photography and and this you know working in these ways through photography is one of its perhaps most valuable assets as it were um and something that I always try and ask everybody who comes onto the podcast is is what do they actually feel photography can do to either highlight environmental issues um or even um again something that i'm really interested in as well and i know yourself and lots of other other, others are is even turning the spotlight in on itself as a sector because photography is actually in you know in theory an extractive medium itself It, it needs certain extractive materials um to exist so there's all those conversations as well and thought process that you know that goes on um so yeah, so I guess uh, how do you how do you sort of um, think through all those things about using photography to mm, highlight issues, and then perhaps consider how you're using photography yourself?
1: I think that photography definitely has the kind of it has the potential, doesn't it, for for us to think about maybe not just solutions but not just saying this is how we should do it or this is Mm. like the way forward and I think that sometimes it's about kind of opening up those discussions as well isn't it and it's about kind of bringing like be it information facts into people's consciousness and then them being like oh right I hadn't thought about it like that or I hadn't really kind of considered my relationship with the natural world and I think that Within a lot of my work, there is like this kind of black void and the images are quite sort of stark. And I think for the past sort of two years, I've been aiming for this kind of quiet contemplative space when people do see my work, that they can maybe just take a little bit of time and think about kind of our relationship to the natural world. Um, Mm. And you are right, like photography is... um, It is an extractive medium, and there's people out there who sort of say, "Well, the best thing you can do is just kind of go from analog because of you know sort of like the gelatin, the chemicals, or just go to digital." But
0: Mm. it's
1: it's not it's not that simple because there's there's other things that then need to be extracted from the earth that are you know to be able to kind of create these chit and these different things like that, and
0: and the um, energy to store. You know, say, just our computers, our our servers. servers yeah.
1: Like, um, it was on the news the other day, and there was um a, a newsreader, and he was stood in what must have been one of these banks. You know, where the cloud actually is kind mm. of powered, and it was like the biggest warehouse you have ever seen. Mm. And I was like, that's that's the side that people don't see or that people kind of don't, I guess, sort of think about. And I think it was that I did start to think about my kind of relationship to analog photography. And I was mm. like, here I am. I'm somebody who is trying to critique kind of our relationship to the natural world. But as an analog photographer, I'm a little bit complicit in some of the practices that I am kind of engaging mm. with to kind of make that work. And I think that that's where the idea for the kind of Mores project came from. I started to think about maybe what I could do as an individual because I think some of these ideas, some of these concepts, they are massive. And sometimes we can feel a little bit overwhelmed, like we're just one small person, like what change can I make? Whereas, like, when I worked on Old Tringham Market, I worked with a girl called Rachel and she had her own business and it was called, like, One Small Step. And it was the whole idea of we just people take things back and like refill them and they refill their like washing up liquid bottles. And they and it was just the idea that even if you do one or two things every day, it's like, it's better than doing nothing. nothing and, that is, yeah. <laughs> and it's about celebrating progress, maybe not just striving for perfection because perfection is a very difficult thing to achieve, isn't uh, it? Whereas
0: absolutely.
1: if we can all give something a go, I think as a community, which I think we need to feel maybe more a part of, then I think there's I'm I'm a hopeful caterpillar and I would like to think there's you know
0: (laughs) I love that description
1: (laughs) (laughs) hopeful caterpillar
0: I'm going to steal that one (laughs) I really love that but you've mentioned there as well that your your work um the Moors um and you are actually based up in in Yorkshire now um and the the one thing that I really wanted to, to have a chat with you about is um, you've been um, a, a brilliant opportunity that you've been awarded a Developing Your Creative Practice Grant from Arts Council England for the project that is based up on the Yorkshire Moors. Um, so that's brilliant and it's definitely I think going to give you um, the, the time and the scope to really dig deeper into these elements of of sustainable and environmentally conscious photography um but but what is it all about I mean I know you you might not have bef- the fully fledged I don't know where you are with your ideas but can you tell us a little bit more about it um
1: yeah of course definitely um I think that for me um Kind of what stuck in my sort of in my mind maybe about nine months ago is that um I was watching um, a TED talk um and it was um by this collective called Repeat and it was somebody called um Irene von Dildren and she was talking all about sort of like Pete and um yeah. through that it I I realised that actually um the peat in the moorlands actually holds more carbon than the amazon rainforest and it is a carbon sink and if we don't you know look to protect it if we don't look at those areas as incredibly um significant then like Mm. it will accelerate kind of like climate change um And then as I sort of like dug into it, I found like a little bit more about it. So we were talking about peatlands and peatlands covers like 3% of the land surface. Yet it stores like 30% um, of the world's kind of carbon and even all the forests in the entire world can't level the amount of carbon that's Mm -hmm. in peatlands. And you think, it's funny how we kind of, we look to the Amazon rainforest as, I'm not saying it's not, as like oh my gosh it's you know it, it, it's doing this amazing thing and it's holding carbon it's producing oxygen and, and all of these different things mm. whereas like peatlands moorlands it's like we we're not interested in how complex this is and all the different yeah. other areas that we need to look after or we kind of like need to protect and I think for me as well I was starting to kind of question my relationship with analog photography and I'd in terms of I'm thinking about the natural world, yet these chemicals are quite hazardous and they are definitely, you know, um, mm. pollutants. Um, and I knew that um, there was a kind of sustainable movement in the UK. Um, and when I saw yes. the um, Arts Council um, opportunity, I just thought maybe it's time for me to push out of my comfort zone and not just, and to think about kind of other alternative processes, not just in um, maybe stepping outside from the camera, so thinking about things cameralessly. But then also thinking about it on a chemical level, like how am mm. I processing these images, how am I fixing these images? Um, so yeah. And then that like kind of like led to me um completing my first couple of workshops um with Mel King a couple of weeks ago um, and okay, yeah. Margate.
0: How did that go? Do
1: you know what? Absolutely life-changing. Right. Yeah, really. Like, I'd met Mel um, at the Lizard Light Residency, um, and we're both, like, Mancunians, so I think, you know, we're just kind of, we just, it was just, like, great to see her again, Um, and I think the amount that I learned during those two days was just, like, absolutely amazing. Like, we started by um, making um, film developer um, out of caffeinol, which is, like, soda crystals, vitamin C, and coffee, and... I was, as a bit of an analogue purist, and as somebody who works in <laughs> black and white, I I maybe didn't appreciate just how incredible these other alternatives were. Um, so we started off with that. We processed the first film that I'd shot the night before on the front, and I was like, what? This is just like you developed it with a bottle of ID11, and Mel was just, like, laughing. She was like, yeah. And then um, at lunchtime, we sort of, like, we went and we harvested some seaweed, and... Um, because for some um, to be able to make, you know, developer um, from seaweed. So she taught me how to do that. Um, And then in the afternoon, we did some anthotypes from sea spinach um, that we'd kind of collected. And then the second day, yeah, we did. I did. I learned how to create developer from seaweed. And then in the afternoon, um, I did large format with um, developing it into caffeinol, And it was just about... I think with Mel, she is like so open and she just wants all of that information to be open source and she wants yeah. it to be shared. It's not about holding on to it and saying, I'm not going to tell you, I'm going to keep this. She does um, quite a
0: lot of videos, doesn't she, on YouTube as well. I think she shared quite a, a few sort of video, explainer videos on, on YouTube as well um, for the processes.
1: Absolutely. And I think that maybe as a, in terms of the kind of creative arts I think that in like be it analog medium and things like that that we we need to open up and share a little bit more don't we
0: absolutely um it is it's it's been lovely to see I mean I've sort of I guess set up my I call call it an eco darkroom for want of a better explanation (laughs) um back in in 2012 and so that's oh that's 10 years isn't it um, <laughs> cool. um, and it's just been lovely to see not just my own sort of learning curves through that but but how you know this like you've spoken about there is this um really huge growing interest in sustainable and eco-conscious photography a- across the UK and you know globally as well and and absolutely you know if, if people can share those processes and talk about them and other people can then start to use them um it's just it's it's just a, a brilliant way of of, of doing something. and if you still you know if you still feel you want to use traditional dark cream things then that is your choice um and is okay um it'll be interesting i think um you know i am I'm, I'm really interested to see whether there would ever be a some sort of Truly commercial opportunity for sustainable darkroom process, you know, processing, um, because that would be a game changer, I think, then wouldn't it? For <laughs>
1: absolutely,
0: absolutely.
1: I was they call me slightly cynical, um, but I think that maybe with some of the bigger companies that are currently dominating the market, if you like when I made the Caffanol developer and I sort of, you think about it in pounds and pence, it is so much cheaper Yeah, to be able to make it, develop your films. I think some of the big brands have got a monopoly on the market and I don't think they always, I think they feel like they might be in a dangerous position, might they, if they <laughs> try and push different i
0: don't
1: yeah is is i don't i don't know what the answer is or would it be a co- like um i don't know um a company that comes about and that is actually um maybe not for profit yes that is about um you know when it's owned by the kind of oh you know it's um
0: it's actually owned by the people, the who people. Are, yeah. yeah
1: and its whole thing is to um, You're know, like a more of a kind of maybe community interest kind of company yeah. or something like that, and with you know like, um, but I do I think there's a massive gap there, isn't there? And it seems
0: definitely quite surprising
1: that nobody's kind of moved into it or.
0: Well, I think as as time moves on, that that it'll certainly be something that um, will be given more consideration i'm sure because of the growing interest in it and the more people that are keen to try these processes out and learn about how they um can still be creative with with less impact or just a sort of a consideration of of the impact and obviously if that involves um means that aren't as as extractive or aren't as perhaps finite potentially all of those those sort of questions then yeah I think that would just be would would be wonderful um, and although I, I love being in a dark room I think the I, I don't know why but I've got slightly more nervous around chemicals than I was when I was perhaps a bit more cavalier when I first started out so <laughs> I think this I think there's that element now give me give me analog. Uh, and, Anthotype type any day of the week I think now I'm afraid I've got a bit of us.
1: <laughs> but I don't blame you because I think we're much safer spending our time around plants though aren't we and plants, <laughs> yeah. but plants are so powerful it wasn't until um I was like doing like the seaweed developer and different things like that and you actually like before we had all of these kind of like be you know sort of like chemicals medicines all of these different things Mm. a lot of the things I I met herbalist once and she was telling me just how obviously how plant-based all of you know our kind of approach to health and medicines and different things like that were and I think that we we live in a very kind of chemical in a chemical world don't we yes whereas even for me like creating anthotypes from sea spinach it it genuinely a fortnight ago my mind was just blown I was like (laughs) no way this is and it's like like plants are magic aren't they I don't like and I don't blame you wanting to spend more time around them not (laughs) chemicals you know
0: it's definitely the way forward in photography and in life in general I think so yeah (laughs) absolutely um now I know as well as this you're, you're you're sort of you're This opportunity for for you to um concentrate on this project that will be based in the in in the moors um you also earlier this year um have have been selected for the aesthetica art prize future now book and you're currently on show i think till the 18th of september um At York Art Gallery. So, what was that all about? How did what how did that come about? Tell me more about that, then.
1: Um, well, that was um, that was an open call. I think that um, after I'd made the perennial work, I started entering it um, into um, open calls, and it seemed to like really resonate with people. It started out; um, it was selected as part of the Warrington Contemporary Arts Festival um, in twenty twenty. Um, and then it was in the Leeds summer show and then it was in Air Gallery and then it went to sort of like Brighton and like then um, I think it was, yeah, last year I entered the Aesthetic for Art Prize um, and yeah, I found out maybe at the beginning of this year um, that it had been um, long-listed and that was Brilliant. just, um, it was totally mind-blowing and it was incredibly surprising and it's not that, I don't value my practice or anything like that. It was just um, amazing. And me and one of my friends, um, Maggie, um, we went over to the Aesthetica Art Talks, the Art Prize Talks in May. Um, and we heard from some of the other artists that were on the shortlist and things like that. And yeah, it was... Oh,
0: brilliant.
1: Yeah. And I think that sometimes it's just it's just a little bit of recognition, isn't it? And that's not why we do it. But sometimes you can question what it is that you're doing as an artist when you spend when it's beautifully sunny outside and you're blacking your windows out and you're going into the dark room um and sometimes we can question ourselves can't we whereas i think sometimes a little bit of you know being in these exhibitions and getting to meet other artists and creatives can kind of really give you that boost can't it to be like yeah i'm going to carry on because to do yes. anything else would be absolutely crazy
0: absolutely absolutely and sometimes it's um it it, it can I, I guess when you're in that process of creating um unless you're actually collaborating with someone it, it it's often done in isolation as well isn't it so you know sort of raising your head above the parapet sometimes and waving and saying hello <laughs> is that, absolutely, it's really really valuable and I think it's definitely, you know, it's it, like you say you, you don't go you, you don't do this because you want people to go, well aren't you fantastic but it's really good for the soul to have someone say, you know, I recognise what you're doing in, in whatever I think walk of life you, you you are in. Um so yeah, it's really good that um to see that and and there's a few weeks left isn't there for it which is great as well um,
1: yeah there's about another kind of like three weeks left so yeah
0: brilliant and have you got any other um exhibitions or shows coming up or are you going now straight into your um concentrating on on the uh the new project that you've got up on the moors then
1: at the minute i'm kind of um focusing on the moors project um next weekend um, I'm going away um, on a residency um, with summer summit which is um, a week long weekend long um, retreat for um, LGBTQI plus a artists um, so it's sort of um, at the hot barn Center for music and creative performance um, in collaboration with um, milk presents homotopia and curious arts and um, so I think that'll be a really nice time to kind of get away, to meet some other artists, um, yeah. to do some workshops. Um, yeah. And They're where is that, of...
0: sorry?
1: Say it again, sorry.
0: Where is that, sorry?
1: Um that's at the Hot Barn Centre for Music Um and Creative Performance. Um and it's a rural um residential retreat.
0: Lovely. And that's this week coming, weekend coming, is it?
1: Mm, it is the weekend after.
0: Okay, so sort of into, where are we now? Oh, the last day of August, we're recording yeah, so, this on. Yeah. So into, into September. Oh, fantastic. And are you going sort of along to that with any sort of um, ideas already in mind? Or will you just see what happens when you get there and, and, and see sort of what comes out of it then?
1: I think for me, it'll be an opportunity to kind of um, re-engage with the kind of self-staging performance um, aspect of my practice maybe starting to think about exploring self station performance, thinking about um our relationship to nature um and these kind of natural spaces. Um so I'm gonna take my camera, my tripod, my film. I've got some like different fabrics as well that I'll be using in my performances. Um, and I'm just kind of open to seeing what happens mm-hmm. really.
0: Brilliant. And when you talk about your the, the sort of um the self performances that you that you that you then photograph um, you mentioned earlier about coming to Cornwall um, which is where I'm based so next time you come do, do let me know and we'll, we'll have to grab a cuppa
1: absolutely uh, where um, in Cornwall are you?
0: I'm St Agnes Way so oh fantastic yeah yeah but but um, I, I know Yorkshire as well because I had friends in college who lived in oh I'm going to get this wrong oh I'm going to get I want to is it Mutley West Yorkshire oh yeah that sort of area and so yeah so I many years ago now so but the the moors are beautiful so um yeah great places to to live um you've actually when you came down to Cornwall um and I think you were sort of creating this idea around um being a rock formation have I got that right what (laughs)
1: was
0: (laughs) what were you up to (laughs) um
1: well I had um just before that, I'd been like doing a lot of work um in the woods at night, um, with like like different kind of like materials, different plastics. Um a lot of it was kind of um at night <laughs> in the pitch mm-hmm. black. And then um the year after when I went, um I took the fabrics and there was like these like absolutely amazing kind of like rock formations on the beach and mm. I became a little bit obsessed with them. Um <laughs> And I guess in terms of my performances, they're all like shot into black and white film um, and I just wear sort of like all black. But yeah, that that sort of series of performances was all about sort of like becoming a rock. And I think it's about, I think that sometimes that art can be serious and I think that other times it's like, (laughs) it's like great for it to be a little bit more fun, isn't it? And to, you know, maybe think about these things in a little bit more of like a humorous way and maybe not take ourselves quite so seriously
0: yeah definitely definitely lots lots of time for humor in photography and yeah especially I think when you're talking about topics as we have today sort of touching on these these sort of ideas around um raising awareness of environmental problems looking at the industry as well um and you know it it can sometimes, I guess, exasperate any sort of anxieties people might have and and some humour can, you know, the expression is, is laughter's the best medicine. So, you know, humour definitely, I think, certainly has a place in in photography, doesn't it? And can, yeah, it'd be really interesting to sort of see the responses maybe to the same environmental topic photographed in a serious and a non-serious manner and see what people respond to maybe
1: times it's just like it's just nice for things to be a little bit less serious isn't it because if we like we've had a couple of like incredibly sort of serious years with sort of like COVID the news and and all of these different things and I think when a lot of our interactions are mediated by sort of social media and technology and all of these different things yeah we can it can feel like really isolating these topics can feel overwhelming and i think that that is i guess part of the problem isn't it that it feels so overwhelming that people don't know where to start or they mm. don't know how and i guess they feel like well i'm only one small person like what kind of difference can i make but i think like we can all make a little bit of a difference can't we you know yeah
0: yeah definitely it's it's better to do to to, to yeah to do something than than to to turn away and do nothing at all Um, absolutely and if you can do that sometimes with with a a grin on your face even better so yeah absolutely (laughs) um well if people wanted to find out about you Sarah and, and have a look at your work and learn what's coming up next where is the best place for them to find you um online or on on social media
1: um, on social media, um, I would say that um, Instagram, I'm on there. Um, I'm analog, And then my website is www.saraconnell.co.uk So yeah, I'm sort of like posting kind of like new work, like what I'm up to, things like that. Um, so yeah
0: brilliant I will make sure those are are in the the text for the podcast as well so people will be able to click through and 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 discover more about you Um, Amazing! I just want to say that I've really enjoyed our our chat today um it's really lovely to to hear um you know just to have a have a glimpse into the sort of uh life and thought processes that people who who sort of are trying to work in a a more sort of eco-conscious way in photography um and like you say being part of of that sort of I think growing movement in in that is 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 lovely Um, so I'm sure what you've what you've shared as well will inspire um, those who are listening in as well to perhaps have a look at different um different processes maybe um which would be great and obviously I think keep an eye on on what you're up to next. So it'd be really lovely to keep in touch. Um, and maybe, you know, we could chat again once you've, um, once you've actually uh, sort of got going or have come to the end of, of the, the, the project on the moors. I'd be, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what comes out of that.
1: Oh yeah. I think it'd be um, absolutely great. Um, and in November, Oh, no, in October, sorry, um, I'm aiming to be in Cornwall for a couple of weeks. Definitely on and around Bodmin Moor. So I'll give you a shout. Maybe we could, like, grab a cup of tea or something.
0: Oh, that would be lovely. And Bodmin Moor is one of my favourite places. So, yeah, that that would be brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Sarah. I've really, really enjoyed it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It's been fantastic.
0: (laughs) Chat soon. Bye-bye. Bye. I absolutely loved chatting with Sarah. I hope you've all enjoyed listening along and discovering more, not only about her work, but her thought processes and what's coming next in uh, her photographic work. I'm very excited to see what comes out of the work on the mall. Um, And I'm really, really excited that I might actually get to meet her as well when she comes down to Cornwall. So fingers crossed, um, we'll be able to catch up then. As always, if you would like to take part in the Photo of a Scene Podcast, please head over to my website, josiepassellphotography.com and get in touch or get in touch through social media, however you want to, um, just let me know and we'll see what we can sort out. But if you want to go over and, and have a look at Sarah's work, and I insist that you do, she can be found on Instagram at always.analog. And at sarahconnell.co.uk so please 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 go and check out all her work and what she's up to but until next time take care